X3 is the first exercise device to deliver force in line with the variable capabilities of human movement. When you train like this, you go to a far greater level of fatigue, which triggers a commensurate level of growth. Go to x3bar.com and learn more about the professional athletes that use X3 exclusively, as well as many before and after transformations this discovery has caused. Enter the code LIFTSMARTER for $50 off at checkout. That's LIFTSMARTER without a space between the two words for $50 off at checkout. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Kristen Wilson. She's the head of Badass Digital Nomads Podcast. She also has a YouTube channel that she'll describe. And we're going to talk about her background, what she does, and how she helps people that uh, want to be nomads of, of various sorts. So Kristen, thank you for coming. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. If you would, tell me a bit about your background and then we'll lead into the work that you're doing today. So I've had a pretty untraditional, well, traditional upbringing as far as my childhood, you know, being born in the U.S. and raised in middle-class America. But things took a little bit of a turn once I was in college when I couldn't figure out what to do with my life, what to major in in college. And so I knew that even though I didn't know what I wanted to do for work, I loved traveling. My grandparents worked for Pan Am Airlines, and I always just kind of grew up wanting to go to different countries. Maybe it was from visiting Epcot Center as a little kid. And so I took the opportunity to study abroad during university. And I did one semester in Costa Rica and one semester in Australia. And after that, my life was really never the same again because my eyes were opened to a different way of living, a different identity, if you will, like who you are when you live outside of your home country. And so I finished school, went to grad school, and then I moved back to Costa Rica in the fall of 2005 to work in real estate. And then ever since then, I've lived in different countries, more than 60 countries I've either traveled to or lived in. And my primary career at the beginning was real estate. But in the first seven or eight years that I was working in real estate, I realized that another big problem that people had was not just buying real estate in different countries, but then how to move to those countries. So I started a relocation company in 2011 called Poker Refugees, which was specifically in the niche for gaming clients like poker players, sports bettors, and still doing that today. But I also have my relocation consulting program called Ready to Relocate. And I'm kind of doing a few different things all centered around helping people live location independent or just independent free lifestyles, like whatever that means to them. So what they want to do for work, where they want to live, how often they want to travel in the world. And so I help people not just through coaching and consulting, but also as the host of Badass Digital Nomads podcast, and through travel videos on YouTube, traveling with Kristen. Right. 
Well, you have a lot of experience living in different countries, way more than most people. Mm-hmm. So what, what have you discovered? What is it like to live in all these different countries? Like how has it changed your perspective on things? Well, there's different phases of adaptation that you go through when you move to another country. And there's like this honeymoon phase at first, which is what most people experience when they go on vacation, where everything is amazing and like the food is better, the coffee's better, the weather's better, like Mm. the people are nicer and it's kind of rose colored glasses. But then there's a, a different part. It's almost like a curve. Uh, where you hit the dip, as Seth Godin refers to it as. So at first, everything is great. You're in the honeymoon phase. Then you go into like time of struggle, where you're not really sure if you made the right decision moving to this other country and the things that seemed great now seem difficult. And you maybe start to feel a little bit lonely or homesick. And then you get to a a section where you're adapting to life there. And the longer that you stay in that country, the more likely you are to get to a full integration in that society. So it might not be a hundred percent integration, So myself as like a blonde U.S. female, if I go move to Pakistan, I'm not going to look like the locals. So I might never fit in 100%, especially if you don't learn the language. But that's really what people can expect when they move to another country is to kind of have this process that can go on for months or even years of adapting to that place. And so some people don't travel that long or they might move to another country for just a couple months. They might be nomadic. And so they might hit different parts of that, of those experiences and and those different phases of adaptation. But I think that when you go to another country, you can definitely expect to learn something new, to meet new people, to change your mindset and your perception about what you thought was right and wrong in life. And it can just kind of make you question everything from your home country's public policies, government policies to like normal cultural things and ways of life, the kinds of foods you eat, the types of like how you relate with people, how you do business there. And ultimately as a human being, you become slightly shaped by your environment and the people that you surround yourself with. So living in a con- another country or traveling a lot through different countries is a really dynamic experience. And I think it's kind of a fast track to personal growth. It's not necessarily a straight line. Like it can be a few steps forward and one step back, but you're, you're always going to learn about yourself. You're going to learn more about the world and you're going to learn who you are when you're outside of the context of your home country, your family, your friend circle, the company that you work for. Like when you take yourself out of that situation, it's like going out of your comfort zone. And so it's kind of the school of hard knocks in a way, but ultimately I think it's for the greater good for your own life and also the global impact on the world because it travel is proven to give people more empathy and like more of a sense of connection, more of a sense of gratitude in the world and kind of helps you step out of, especially the U S cycle of like the rat race, the materialism, stuff like that. And you kind of find like what's really important to you. Well, how do you feel that uh, traveling has changed you in particular? Oh, in so many ways, but I would say that the main way that travel has changed me is that it's made me more open-minded. The first time I moved to Costa Rica, 
it, it took me about seven years to start unlearning a lot of what I had learned in the traditional school system in the U.S. The U.S. is a very individualistic country, a very ethnocentric country, uh, which is kind of focused inward versus a collectivist country where the whole is greater than the individual. When you exercise with greater force, you trigger greater gains. Shown in 16 out of 16 studies, variable resistance grows muscle faster than weights alone. Go to x3bar.com and learn more about the professional athletes that use X3 exclusively, as well as many before and after transformations this discovery has caused. Enter the code LIFTSMARTER for $50 off at checkout. That's LIFTSMARTER without a space between the two words for $50 off at checkout. Thank you. So, you know, in the U.S., things, it's very ambition driven, very independence oriented. And and so going to other countries really helped me to see that there's other ways of living. And there's some general, you know, golden rule of like treat everyone how you want to be treated and and whatnot. But you also Mm -hmm. realize that there's different ways to do everything. And so I think it just made me a lot more open minded and like less set in my ways. It, It also made me more appreciative of where I came from and the opportunities that I had to be born at this time and to be born in a country that wasn't in a civil war or anything like that in a safe place and and to have a passport that allows me visa-free travel to go to so many places because you really start to see how a lot of like a large portion of the world lives on like a very small amount of income and how they might be limited. Like one time when I was in Nicaragua, I met a guy who had never been farther than one square mile or one square kilometer radius away from his house because he didn't have a car. He didn't have any money. He didn't have any need to go anywhere. Like everything that he did was like based in his house. And so that was like, you know, kind of unfathomable to me, like to never go more than a mile away from where I lived. And so those are kind of like the little pieces that you can like insights that you can get into other people's lives that it becomes like a mirror and a reflection for you. And, and ultimately I think travel like freed me being able to travel allowed me to do what I wanted to do for work. Like, I don't think I would have become an entrepreneur or taken this path in life that I did if I hadn't traveled, you know, one country led to 60 countries versus if I had taken a corporate job in a cubicle after business school, like many of my classmates, I probably would have just gotten onto the corporate ladder and tried to like work my way up like so many other people and maybe had like a vacation one or two weeks per year. And so instead, I I had this whole other perception of like what life could be like. And for me, that was riding a four-wheeler on a dirt road to my real estate office or like going surfing in the morning if I wanted to or taking a couple months sabbatical and going to Europe or spending a month in Bali, like it just the world kind of opened up to me and like the possibilities and also the people that I met during those travels, many of whom were retired and who are much older than me. I was able to benefit from their wisdom. Like when I lived in Nicaragua, it was next to a marina and these retired people who had, you know, worked their whole lives and saved millions of dollars and then bought sailboats to sail around the world, they would stop through at that marina and and stay there for a few days, or they would have lunch there or happy hour or something. And to be able to talk to people like that, like you just kind of get access to a different 
community than you necessarily would in your hometown. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. So how long have you been at this traveling? Well, the first time I went abroad, I was 17 on my senior class trip in high school, and that was to Italy and Mexico. And then I studied abroad when I was 20, 21 years old, and I just turned 40 last week. So it's been about 20 years now. And I did spend the past two years during the pandemic back in Florida, where my family is. And so I was working on a few projects here. I just wrote my first book. I've been learning some passion projects and hobbies, like learning music production and learning how to DJ things that require equipment that's very difficult to do when you're traveling all the time. So yeah, that's what I've been doing here during the pandemic, but just getting ready to go abroad again. Mm. Well, it seems like uh, the U.S. passport was restricted tremendously. Have you observed that it's uh, open up and you can travel a lot of places easily or is this, is it now much harder for you to travel? Yeah, it still seems quite easy having a U.S. passport especially since the testing requirement was dropped. So recently I was in Montreal in Canada and I was running around trying to get a COVID test to come back into the country. But I just got back from Istanbul a couple days ago and was able to just walk right on the plane. So I think in the past few weeks or month, um, President Biden has dropped that, which makes sense at this point. Um, Yeah, it kind of seemed like just a formality that they were making everyone still get the negative COVID tests, even if you're vaccinated. So, yeah, it seems like things are opening back up again. And it seems like there's not a very high risk of lockdowns again in most countries, which is why I had stayed and I'm in Miami right now, which was one of the most open places in the United States during the pandemic and everyone moved here. So it's been pretty normal life here for all except for maybe the first two months of the lockdowns. Okay, well, that's good. So now you have uh, your podcast, uh, your YouTube channel. So is your role now to help counsel other people on how to live abroad? And, you know, what's your business about? Exactly. You know, I, of course, enjoy that lifestyle, but it got to a point where... Before we get started, I have a quick favor. I've been self-funding the Finding Genius podcast for five years now. I've done over 3,000 episodes. And as you can see on YouTube, we're up over a million views on the channel, which is fantastic. The next thing I really want to push on is to get up to 10,000 subscribers. Because once we do, we'll be able to put a donate button and uh, we'll be able to solicit donations uh, to help keep the podcast running and to also get the Finding Genius Foundation moving along. We have a big project studying anxiety, depression, and PTSD and working on a product to help people overcome these problems uh, because I've seen them explode recently after the, uh, you know, the last two years of the whole virus situation. So if you would, please subscribe to the podcast. That would help us tremendously. Give us a thumbs up. And check in the description for Buy Me a Coffee. It's about five bucks. If you could buy me a coffee, I'd really appreciate it. It would help keep the channel going. And I love coffee. Thank you. I just felt like it was more important for me to help other people to do it rather than just enjoying it myself. And I've always done that in some way. Like my first job was working in real estate in Costa Rica. So helping people from different countries to invest in Costa Rica. 
Rica and moved to Costa Rica. So I worked with a lot of retirees, a lot of international and multinational corporate executives. And that's when I realized the need for relocation services. And so I've been providing those relocation services since 2011, but it was all on like a one-on-one basis with clients. And I decided to go public with this information because I saw a lot of misinformation online and a lot of outdated information on blogs and on videos. And so I thought, well, I didn't major in English literature and I don't have a degree in filmmaking or anything, but let me just try to put some information out there and maybe it can help people. And I also was on um, HGTV's House Hunters International And I had a lot of fun filming that. And I remember thinking like, I wish my full-time job was filming travel videos or like videos about real estate in different places. And so I thought, oh, I'll just make my own videos. So what I decided to do was just start documenting my lifestyle and how I supported myself while traveling, what I was doing in the other countries that I went to. So that's when I started traveling with Kristen on YouTube back in 2018 And then I also started blogging at the same time to just, you know, there's different types of information you can give in a video, in a podcast, in a blog article, in a book. And so I wanted to be able to provide the information in different mediums. So the travel videos are more travel vlogs and city guides, cost of living, live Q and A's, things like that. And then with the podcast, the idea behind that was to interview the people that I met while I was traveling and even my clients, because I met so many interesting people and they all had different stories about how they broke free from their traditional jobs and were able to support themselves doing something online or to retire early and gain financial freedom and then lead these untraditional lifestyles. And so we have a lot of examples in our society about the linear way and like the white picket fence, kind of, this is how you do it. And this is the adulting path in the United States, at least, and in a lot of Western countries. And I just wanted to show an alternative to that. So we have now 165 episodes about different ways of making an online income, showing that transition that people from all over the world have taken going from South Africa, working in a government job in South Africa or Australia, and then being self-employed, working on a sailboat or living in Mexico, like all of these different stories because everyone has a different one. And then with, uh, after doing that and writing the blog, I was able to write my first book, which is called Digital Nomads for Dummies. So it's even more comprehensive than just blog articles and and videos and podcasts, but it's like taking it into a step-by-step guide of how to find a remote job, how to start an online business, how to travel full-time, how to be a digital nomad. So I guess I would say that my passion is definitely creating content about how to do it as much as actually helping people one-on-one or in groups with the logistical process of relocating from Connecticut to France, for example. I don't know. What what did you find most difficult about traveling abroad and living abroad? You know, a lot of people say like it's so brave to do it and it's so courageous, but for me, it just kind of became like regular life. 
So I think that the hardest part about it was just the normal problems that you would have otherwise in life. You know, someday, sometimes you wake up on the wrong side of the bed or you're like not feeling motivated one day, not feeling energetic, maybe like relationship problems. I, I think dating is definitely hard when you travel a lot or when you live in different countries, unless you find somebody that shares a similar lifestyle. So being restricted of how long I could stay in a country would become a problem. So if I really, really loved a place and I couldn't stay more than three months or six months, then I would need to decide, like, do I want to invest thousands of dollars in staying here and getting residency or go to the next place? And so you start to kind of be homeless in a way where unless you get permanent residence in a country, you have to move at a certain point. And so that would be difficult. People say that lonely, that they're kind of afraid of loneliness, but I didn't really Mm. feel lonely because I felt like I met so many people all the time. And then I would have friends in all different countries. I would be able to visit my family members, my cousins, my parents, my brother and sister. Like you end up being able to spend more quality time with friends and family when you can live anywhere because you don't have to wait for Christmas vacation or summer vacation or something like that. So I did feel fulfilled in that way, but I think it was more just always wondering like, where am I going to live? Changing locations often could be pretty tiring. And then also the language barrier and cultural barriers can be difficult if you're not staying in a place for a long time. So I'm fluent in Spanish, which makes it really easy to get around in Spanish speaking countries and understand what's going on around me and the context and the slang and the, uh, the sense of humor of the people, the news, like you just can, if you understand the language, it's much easier, but then going to a country like, let's say the Netherlands where Everyone speaks English even, but if you want to live there, you need to learn Dutch because otherwise you're just always going to feel a little bit like an outsider. So I think that's a, a difficult part as well, or even a place like Bulgaria where I lived for six months, but I never spent the time to learn the language. So I was always struggling with in a place where no one really speaks English, like even struggling at the market, like negotiating the prices of buying tomatoes, for example, like those kinds of little things can be pretty, it can just take more energy. And then there comes a turning point to decide whether or not you want to really intentionally integrate with that country or move on to the next place. And these are kind of first world problems of this new time in history that we're even able to have these problems. But I definitely think that the pros outweigh the cons because in no other point in human history would I, as like a single female who's 25 years old, be able to just traipse around the globe working for herself on the internet. I mean, that would be unheard of, Yeah, especially single. So I, I'm just very grateful that we live in a time where we can even decide to do this. And you know, I, I wouldn't be expected to like stay in my hometown and, and have you know, a traditional lifestyle, like husband and three kids or something, unless that's what I wanted to do. So I'm just happy to have that choice. And, um, so for me, like the challenges that come with travel, it definitely is not as bad as like the alternative of not having that choice. Sure. Okay. I don't know the, you know, the way different countries are portrayed on the news had that uh, square with what they were actually like. Was there a lot of, uh, 
you know, is the reporting at all accurate or is it, you got to go there to really know? Um, well, what I found is that countries are so diverse that when you hear a new story that's trying to characterize a country and simplify it, it's just one story out of a country with millions or sometimes hundreds of millions of people. Um, so it would be like if you heard about, let's say, a shooting or something in Chicago, and then you would think that like every town in the U.S. had the same problem. Well, that's maybe not a good example because we do have a massive gun problem in the U.S. But yeah, like hearing one story, what was the girl, Natalie Holloway, that was murdered in Aruba? I don't know if anything like that has happened since. It certainly hasn't been in the media to the extent that her disappearance was, but it would be like not going to that country because one thing happened there. And so I think that most people in the world are good. There's like always going to be some security issues, always some violence, but unless it's an active war zone or a place that's having, you know, like maybe the highest homicide rate in Central America, for example, like there are certain cities that are more dangerous than others, but as a whole, like when you hear characterizations of Mexico, for example, being dangerous, I think that that's really blown out of proportion because it's just a massive country. And I'm sure there are some neighborhoods of some areas that are dangerous, but it would be like saying, okay, New York is dangerous, but like New York is a massive city and maybe right. only certain pockets of it are dangerous. So I, I kind of see it that way. And I've solo traveled a lot throughout the world. I haven't been to every single country, but you know, there is a girl, I can't remember her name right now, but there's a few people who have traveled to every country in the world. And one of them is like a 27 year old girl. So it's like, if she could do it, then maybe anyone can do it. Or maybe these countries aren't as dangerous as they seem. Like maybe I wouldn't want to be in Kabul, Afghanistan on like the day that the U.S. military pulled out because that looked really hectic, <laughs> you know. So maybe there's certain times and places you wouldn't want to be. In, in a specific city or town. But I think on the whole, the world is a, a quite a safe place. And even, you know, just now going to Turkey, like some of my friends were like, oh, are you scared to go to Turkey? I was like, why? Like, why should I be scared to go to Turkey? And I got there and the people were really nice. I felt like it was fine, you know? So there's definitely perceptions that for, you know, for better or worse are out there in the media and you can't control everything that happens, but you know, you also can't control what, what could happen to you in a Walmart parking lot in your hometown versus if you were driving through Guatemala, like which one's riskier? I don't know. Mm, okay. Of all these countries, I mean, were they in the end, now that you look back, were they all very different or are most countries and people the same on many levels? Human beings as like a human race, you can definitely tell that we're all on the same operating system. <laughs> like humans are humans. We all have certain physical characteristics. We all experience emotion. We all have brains. Like, you know, we all kind of have the same set of physical resources unless, you know, you're born with a birth defect or accident or, you know, we're blind, something like that. Um, so people are people. And the more I've traveled, the more I identify with people as one, one human race. And I don't really see like, like geographical lines are 
kind of just lines drawn in the sand, but cultures, culture is very real and who we are as humans is, is very much influenced by the culture that we grow up in. So more and more though, I'm starting to notice like a globalization of people because of transportation and technology. So maybe through U.S. pop culture, for example, music, movies, TV shows that are distributed around the world. I think that people can have, they can maybe acquire certain aspects of the U.S. culture versus in the U.S. if you aren't very exposed to Italian films, then you might not have as much of an understanding of Italian culture unless you went there. So I think from a U.S. point of view, because we export so much entertainment and so much culture and also food and chain retail stores, restaurants, things like that, then people can have that understanding of U.S. culture and maybe even adopt certain aspects of it or speak English and things, um, but it doesn't necessarily work the other way around. So I do see a lot of similarities in people and you even start to meet people that remind you of someone else. So just now in Istanbul, I was talking with a girl from Algeria And she reminded me of a friend from Honduras who I met in Costa Rica. So you can actually meet people's doppelgangers or even your own in other countries. Um, But you'll notice like certain personalities or like the sense of humor of people. It's almost like the stereotypes that you would see in any society. Like you have like the doctors, the lawyers, the nerds, the jocks, the artists, like these kinds of personalities are all present in any culture, regardless of like what language they're speaking or where they live. And then of course you have like um, political differences, religious differences, food, uh, interpersonal skills, business, like how business is done, how people communicate, what's unspoken communication, even things like physical proximity to people, physical touch, like being in crowds, like people infringing on your personal space, clothing that you are expected to wear or not wear. Like there's all these different societal norms that you can perceive in different countries. But yeah, at the end of the day, everybody relates together as human beings. And like everyone kind of wants the same things. Like everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants to have enough money. Everyone wants to fall in love. Everyone wants to achieve their goals. And yeah, everyone likes to relax and like have that balance between work and play. So yeah, it's really cool to see. It makes the world feel smaller, but then also the more that you meet people and the more that you know about the world, the more that you learn that you have to learn and the more depth you can perceive and complexity in other humans and their personalities. Hmm. Uh, What's it like to interact with people back home that maybe have never traveled anywhere? They were outside mm-hmm. the U.S. or maybe even out of their own state. Uh, yeah, it's different. There's a concept of reverse culture shock. After you leave your home country for a certain amount of time, like the longer you're away, when you come back, the starker the reverse culture shock can be. And some people even get a little bit depressed when they come back. There's like this, you can have like a post-vacation come down or depression. And it can also happen if you've been traveling or living abroad and then you come back. At this point, I I feel like I've become so 
maybe laid back about it <laughs> or, or laissez faire in a way. I'm so used to being out of my comfort zone and in different cultures and not completely fitting in that now when I come back to the US, it just kind of feels the same way. I don't feel completely like how I was before I started living abroad, but there's always a little bit of a shock when you first get back to the US because of almost like the homogeneity of the of the culture. Like the US is a very diverse place, right? With like what 300 million people from all different countries, but there's something about the um the news media, the chain stores and everything, the shopping malls, the strip malls, the the highways, like everything kind of seems the same in certain ways. So I do notice that and uh, the fast food and stuff that you don't see as much in, in other countries. And then with people, I hope now that I have like more compassion and empathy and understanding with people that haven't traveled. Like, I don't think that I'm better than them because I traveled and they didn't. It's just that we might have different topics of conversation. So if I'm meeting somebody here in Miami, that's born and raised in Miami, they're going to have maybe different interests or different things that are important to them that we're going to relate on a different level than if I meet somebody who is an illegal immigrant who came from Venezuela and they don't have residency status here and they're like stuck here. So they can't leave the U.S., but they know what it's like to be in a country that they had to leave and be a refugee. So we're going to relate in a different way as well. And then it's also different if you go to another country and there's a language barrier and you're trying to talk with the locals, you're going to have different things to talk about and like a different extent of communication that you can have. And then also if you are talking with someone from another country who's also living abroad, you'll be able to relate with them as kind of being, you know, an expat or an outsider or an immigrant of that country. So I think that it's just all, you know, different experiences. And um, I just try to adapt wherever I go and give myself time and patience and also appreciate the people that I meet for who they are and what their life experience is. Well, very good. So what resources do you have for listeners where they can, you know, see some of your videos and, you know, how do they find you on YouTube? And then uh, if you can restate the title of your book and when it's coming out. Mm -hmm. So every Tuesday we have a new either solo podcast or interview on Badass Digital Nomads, which is available on every podcast platform, I believe, and badassdigitalnomads.com. And my YouTube channel is Traveling with Kristen, where I do a couple new videos per month. And my first book is Digital Nomads for Dummies, which is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, like all of the retail outlets. And if people want help with relocation, then they can go to travelingwithkristin.com and I have a contact link there. They can click on relocation at the top and send an inquiry about moving to another country, or they can apply to join my relocation program called Ready to Relocate. So a lot of different options there, the podcast, the YouTube channel, the book, and working with me one-on-one. Very good. Well, Kristen, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I hope everyone enjoyed. Remember, before you go, X3 is the device that will give you the body you want, one that your partner and your kids will admire you like you're a superhero. Go to x3bar.com 
and learn more about the professional athletes that use X3 exclusively, as well as many before and after transformations this discovery has caused. Enter the code LIFTSMARTER for $50 off at checkout. That's LIFTSMARTER without a space between the two words for $50 off at checkout. Thank you. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.